Blog Talk Radio.
see, and this is one of the reasons as to why we have a uh, difficult time sometimes starting these types of shows. Looks like there's always some kind of hiccup. But I don't know why I'm surprised. Really don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, but what I was trying to talk about, you know, in relation to the Satanists, ironic that I would have this kind of hiccup happen as soon as we start to talk about this type of stuff. Again, not paranormal, just stuff that I think that we should look at. Uh, the rise of Satanism is a, a, a very, very interesting topic. And I think people seeing this development should also be weary of the kind of mindset that, as I said before, is invading the country, which is invading the world. Uh, you know, we talk about a number of things on the show all the time. Through the, through the diverse topics that we do cover, I really try to make people understand where we're really heading. You know, they've removed God from school. They don't want to talk about divinity. They only want to talk about humanism, you see, corporeal things. And this is, again, one of the tenets of Satanism, telling you that we're only beasts, that there is no spark of divinity, and that we are not made in the image of God. Later on in the actual transmission, I'll try to read to you guys some of the information uh, regarding the Corpus Hermeticum, a book that I was put onto uh, by Adam Nix of the, Way- of the Wayfinder podcast that talks about stuff being in this disseminated state. And why I find that so interesting is because you have the University of Chicago studying uh, the Higgs boson, studying CERN, and how it could potentially lead to a portal of the dark world. And what they're trying to say is that it's a, a, a certain type of material that eventually becomes immaterial. And again, this is all stuff that is paranormal. It leads to uh, what we think of as reality and how we interface with this type of stuff. But could a beast have these kinds of complex thoughts? Could a beast think about the divinity and the disseminated state that things are in? No. A beast has patterns. A beast is nothing but a mammal. While it does have its own place in the, the food chain, it is not on par with us. But I digress. And with that being said, let me start reading some of these stories that we've encountered. As I said before, we have 11 different stories that people have submitted to us. And <laughs> I find it, I, I, I always find it so interesting, the varying stories that we do here. Uh, so with that being said, if you guys want to call in with your stories and your experiences, as I said before, that number is 646-787-8314, 787 8314. And the story that I have from you guys is Encounters with Evil. And it's from, ironically enough, Everything is a Conspiracy. They say, personally, I've been doing a lot of research and learning a lot of things I guess I wasn't supposed to. But here we go. I have a weird but brief paranormal experience, which happened to me when I was a bit younger. It happened to me when I was falling asleep. I began to see this tall man next to my bed wearing a black trench coat. At first, it was like I could only scan him from his feet, slowly upwards. And when my sight reached his waistline, I noticed that he had a strange belt with a skull on it. That's when I snapped out of it, since, you know, obviously it wasn't normal for a tall man in a trench coat to be in my room. As I sprang up from laying down, he was no longer there, but my room was extremely dark, darker than usual. I look up, and there's this, like, shadow blob on my ceiling, just there, stationary. 
I even looked away a couple of times and rubbed my eyes because I really thought I was just exhausted. But it literally stayed there for almost 15 to 20 seconds, just staring down at me until I was finally able to react. And out of nowhere, I had this anger build up inside of me. I'd gone to church when I was younger, so I remember my aunt telling me to call on the name of Jesus. And when I did, this thing sort of slowly slid across the ceiling and started to creep its way out of my room. The moment it left my room, it immediately became brighter. You better believe I ran to my parents' room and told them what I saw. This must have happened at least about 10 years ago, but I remember it just as if it happened yesterday. This stuff, man. I would honestly equate it to a dark entity. I would dare to even use the word demonic because of how evil this thing felt. And I have learned that these things could take on different shapes. So I believe it changed its form. Who knows what they saw? You know, for people that are curious, the only thing that I do with these stories is make them legible. Readers send in their stories and we translate them so that they are appropriate to read because you got to understand people are literally encountering strange things. What do you think that was? Could the blob have been projecting or could those two entities have been one entity? Who knows what that was and why is it that there's always something it, it, it brings a darkness with it. You see some kind of strange essence with it. I always wonder what that's. I always wonder what that's about. People always people always say that it's like a darker than a darker than dark. Like they can see they can see what's darker. It's like imagine just like living in a corner and seeing something darker than the actual corner. As if you're not able to see like the corners of your room. And it's always the name. Is it the name or the power behind the name of Jesus that scares them? Interesting. And now our next story I call Darting, Dodging the Dark Side. It's by Soy Boy. It says, a few days ago, I was sitting in the car with my mom. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw what looked like the air or the wind twist into some kind of portal and open up into something. Once I was able to locate the spot and stare at it, I felt something burn at the back of my neck and a giant shadow began to rush towards me. In a split second, I closed my eyes and my head whipped back so fast that even my mom said it wasn't normal. I felt dazed after that. Then my mom began to see it too. Immediately, she turned the car on to leave. Mom said it looked like I dodged a bullet by the way that the shadow rushed me. But I think the only way I was able to dodge it is because of this really strong tea I've been drinking lately. I think it might have heightened my senses. I'm not sure. All I saw was this huge shadow in one flash, and I felt scared too, like an evil scared. I burned sage and sprinkled salt while, power, while saying power words like, may the almighty healing spirits bless this home and my family. And so far, it seems to me like it's working. I haven't had any encounters with the paranormal since, but this only happened a few days ago. Now, stories like that, it always made me think, well, does that mean that while the car was running, 
was this thing able to turn the car off because he said that they that the mom turned the car on did the car stall as this portal came open was there some kind of electrical discharge that took place that would cause this type of this this, this type of incident what kind of entity inflicts pain before it's noticed I think that's kind of strange you see stories like that again there's just the yeah I, I I guess because I read into stories I always hear, I listen to what I'm being told and then I read into like the context of it of the wind people always people always notice that as well too during exorcisms or some, some type of paranormal event, there's always some type of elemental change or elemental difference, some kind of energetic exchange. The temperature drops. The room gets warmer. There's a charge in the air. Some gust of wind comes from nowhere. What is that about? And why does it keep happening? It's definitely not something that's isolated. Speaking of exorcisms... Did you know the Vatican opened up a new exorcist training course, open to all faith? I'm going to be reading from this article from Mysterious Universes by Paul Sebum. It says, and we put this up May 8th, it says, priests. And I, before I get into this article, too, I just kind of want to point out, why is it, why, again, why is it that we keep seeing a rise in exorcisms? No one's ever talking about that. Could it be mental illness? Some, some people always say that exorcisms are just that. It's just people who are mentally ill, people that are suffering some kind of chemical imbalance, and that exorcism actually does more damage than, than good, more harm than good. But there have been times where they actually call in psych, psychologists and psychiatrists and say, hey, what is this? And they themselves are baffled by what's going on. There's a series out right now. I think it's a... Uh, called Split and Glass, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And they talk about the idea of split multiples. And if you want more information as to what a split multiple is, go and look into the work of Russ Dizdar. He talks about how there are people out there afflicted by some type of strange, paranormal, not even, it's a, it's a possession, if you want the truth. It's multiple personalities, all assumed in one character, uh, and their 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 appearances take on different colors and different shapes. Uh, their voices change. Their mannerisms change. Uh, how they carry themselves from the, the gait in their walk, you know, to limbs. It's it, it's truly fascinating stuff to think about. How many different people could be not necessarily afflicted by this? Uh, but where, where, what goes on? Not only in the mind, but in the body and in the soul. And these things are still occurring, but I digress. Let me get into this article. Like I said, they put this up May 8th. It's by Paul Seaburn of uh, Mysterious Universe. It says, priests and religious leaders of all faith, except probably Satanism, uh, are in Rome this week for the 14th course on exorcism and prayer of liberation taking place at the Pontifical University of Regina Asportorium. It is the first time ground zero, this, it is the first time this ground zero for zeroing out demons is open to non-Catholic exorcists and want to be demon casters. Is this a sign that the one thing that can bring religious together, religions together is the devil? Quote, this is the first time that different denominations have come together to compare their experiences on exorcisms. The idea is to help each other, to establish best practices, if you will, 
the Catholic Church is most associated with exorcisms because of films like The Exorcist and The Right. But we are not the only, but we are not the only church that performs them. Expelling the, de- expelling the Devil goes back to the earliest re- origins of the Christian church. In a presentation to reporters before the doors to the convention were locked to prying eyes and demons trying to listen in, conference co-organizer Father Pedro, Pedro Barone Munez explained why this year's training was open to all he says there are Catholic, Lutherans, Pentecostals, and Greek Orthodox religions, religious representatives registered, and the blamed increased interest and the need for exorcisms on, you guessed it, social media. Quote, they can promote satanic practices and occult rights through detailed sites, while in the past it was harder to popularize. One of the goals of the opening six-day course to the non-Catholic Christian church to the non-Catholic Christian leaders is to standardize the procedures for casting out demons, focusing on those that work the best based on past experiences of practicing exorcists. Father Munez says some of the other branches of Christianity are, quote, more creative. They don't use a precise format. To help exorcists recognize true demonic possessions, the training now goes far beyond splashing the holy water, waving crucifixes, and ducking projectile vomit. Quote, the course covers a wide range of issues, anthropological, Phenomenological, social, theological, liturgical, canonical, pastoral, spiritual, medical, neuroscientific, neuroscientific, pharmacological, symbolic, and criminological, legal, and jurisdictional ones. Wow. So they they literally have it all covered. They're literally trying to give you guys like a comprehensive view of what it takes to actually break down a possession and have history of how far this stuff goes back. And I think that's important, too, because later on in the show, we're going to be talking about stuff like Denver decriminalizing mushrooms. Apparently, they found an a ancient pouch to go that, that's over 1,000 years old uh, in the Bolivian Andes. And I think that's important because it had contents of things such as DMT, ayahuasca, psilocybin, and even cocaine. And that's important because what we're talking about to a degree is how we see this, this, this interaction with the other world and the, and, and the involvement of drugs and hallucinogenics. This is important as well because, again, look at what's happening with the rise of Satanism. Why is that so important? Why are we exchanging stories of people coming into contact with even more strange things? Because, as I've said before, throughout the growth of not only this series but the show as well and through our work, there's some kind of, there's some kind of transfer that takes place whenever we come into contact with the, un- with the unknown, with whatever is on the other side of the veil. We've read to you guys you know, the information regarding things such as uh, the Thunder Energies Project and how they're looking into things such as the ITEs, the invisible terrestrial entities of the first and second kind, and how indeed they're figuring out that there is something else amongst us in a different spectrum of life. So we've already talked about how CERN is discussing things such as the Higgs boson and how it could be a portal to the dark world. That's what the University of Chicago is studying right now. This disseminated state, Florida, is already looking at this idea of what else is out there? Where can we see it? They are scientifically breaking down the understanding of the spirit sciences and, 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 and drip-feeding the information out there. But as I said before, what happens with that? What happens when you stare into the abyss? The abyss stares back into you. And we have a lot of people out there who don't have that hedge of protection, who don't know power words or have prayers or are even aware of these types of things. You see, that whole other sense that is taking place, it's been smothered in us 
if we have time, because, you know, at, at the end, we're going to be talking about, you know, drugs. Yeah. We even have a story of some kids, if we have time. Uh, <laughs> we have some kids, a story involving kids and drugs. I'll just say that. If we have time, we'll get into it. Uh, but it's important that we talk about all of these things because we're seeing how we're, we're becoming steeped in this, in this world and how there are other senses that are being damaged and deafened. But indeed, others are being heightened. I think everyone can feel the air, can feel the, the, the prana, the life force of the times and of the planets changing. And I think that's in- interesting. There are people that are rising and there are people that are succumbing to the darkness. And that's very real. Like, it's real. It's real. Like I said before, there's, there's people that are out there full-blown worshiping the devil. They're not even hiding it anymore. Not even hiding it. They, you know, you used to hear that you scratch a Satan or scratch an atheist, you get a Satanist. These people are just saying, nope, we full-blown worship the devil, and we'd like you to as well. And if you're not down for it, we actually have this, uh, this, 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 this program, right, called After School Satan. We can introduce Satanism to your children. And that's a whole other thing. The next few stories that we have actually involve children and families, generational spirits and things of this nature because it's so important. I'm sure people have always seen interesting things as, as, as whenever they were kids. But the question is, are they able to recognize it? But here's what's going to happen, gang. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the life and times of a, of a lifelong experience or somebody that has residential spirits. And as I said before, generational sensitives. We might, we might even get into some articles about scientists discovering the multidimensional brain and neuroscientists claiming that dreams can predict the future. But like I said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction and the Paranormal Perspective, Volume 7. Volume seven and we'll be right back right after this.
And we are back. Thank you guys for tuning in to this edition of the Paranormal Perspective. Uh, this next story that we have, I call it the life and times of Marie, is because we have at least three different stories in one. And the reason I say that is because, you know, stories like this make me appreciate the diversity of our audience and the diversity of the listeners and participationers uh, that we have on all of our platforms. You see. And with that being said, I'll start with the first. She says, I have a few stories. One actually involves the birth of my daughter. Back in 2013, I gave birth to my daughter in the same hospital my grandfather had passed away. And during the birth of my daughter, I almost died and had to have an emergency C-section. And while I was in the recovery room, I vividly remember opening up my eyes and seeing my grandfather by my side. I looked up at him, and he smiled, looking back at my daughter, and he said, she's beautiful. He touched my hand and walked out the door. What's strange is I remember his hand being warm and not cold. Another story, and this one is kind of scary. A while after my daughter was born, I remember lying in bed and because she was on the left of me and I was in the middle. And out of what felt like nowhere, I, I saw a white figure in what looked to be like some kind of a dress. It had something over its head, so I couldn't see its face, but by the shape or size of whatever this thing was, you could tell it was female and it was coming towards my daughter. But I couldn't move. It was like I was frozen and unable to protect her. The only thing I could move was my head and my mouth. And so I did the sign of the cross in my head and prayed. And within that instant, the same way it appeared, I could move again. Really creepy stuff. And now, in 2015, I lost my first son. The day I was supposed to have him, he was born, stillborn. So when we were at the hospital, the nurses put a ladybug on my door to let the other nurses know that my baby had passed away. I was in a deep depression. I had prayed and prayed every single night for someone to give me back my son. And soon after that, real ladybugs would be found on me or they'd be landing near me. And one day, a ladybug landed on my stomach, so I knew it was a sign to take a pregnancy test. I took one, and it came out positive. I was pregnant. And then guess what? I was having a boy. I had my son, May 5th, 2017, healthy and handsome. I have many more stories, but I think I wrote enough. And I want to say thank you, April Marie, for sharing that with us, because how do you (laughs) – there's so many different things in there. That to me it's just beautiful to think about. You know, and so much life and so much death, and so much just, uh, just everything really. All a part of something magical, if you ask me. Just life, really. You know, whenever I, whenever I had first read it, I thought I was going to be a, uh, I thought it was going to be a story where we heard about the grandfather being reborn. To the daughter, 
But, you know, you can't ever expect these types of things because that's just the beauty and the nature of the universe. The beautiful aspects of the way things happen. Now, this next story I call Residential Spirits and Generational Sensitives. It's by D. Dunk. Because there's a lot there. We'll try to take our time to break it down because, you know, there's just a whole lot of information. And I really want to say thank you, D-Dunk, for you know, putting this together. Uh, and if anything, we'll try to have well, one of these days, I'd like to just go back through on all the amazing people that have submitted their stories and just like have a have a chat or like a re, uh, an update, you know, because we've had callers call in with their own stories. We've had uh, listeners call in. It's people submit. It's, 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 it's so beautiful to hear people's experiences coming straight from them. You know, and I get so caught up uh, <laughs> noticing other things that it's hard to just sit back and appreciate the simplicity of hearing somebody else's experience and, and, and how they come about these types of things, man, because it is a very interesting way. It, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting life finding ourselves here. But like I said, let's get into this story. She says, when I was a child, she's an only child, I used to see Black Panthers at night just in my closet. It would never harm me, but I always felt fearful of it and would hide myself underneath my covers. Side note, but totally relevant, during this time frame, we had a serial killer named Wayne Nance around our neighborhood, and, they used, and his mother used to babysit me. That's what she said. And I just want to let you guys know that I actually went and search engined uh, Wayne Nance. He's like a legit serial killer. They used to call him the Missoula Mauler back in like the mid 70s into like the mid 80s. He's a Montana native known for killing at least like six people. So just just a little factoid there. Back to the story. Nothing bad or evil came from the Black Panthers other than the memories of a child. Fast forward to last year, 2018, my last daughter was two years old and she kept coming into my bed and I began to get frustrated with her. I asked her, you know, why, and she tells me that she sees koalas. I told her that they were kind animals and reassured her that all is fine, and she returned back to bed. A few days later, she came in again, complaining of seeing them once more. So, one time, while we're, we were all driving together, my older daughter asked my younger daughter why she continued to go into mom's room. She said, the black koalas are scary. What? My older daughter, without me knowing, showed her a picture on her phone and asked if that was the animal. She said no. My older daughter then swiped and showed her a different picture, still without me seeing the screen, and she said yes. The first picture was a koala, and the second picture was a black panther. So, a few days later, I was sleeping and all of a sudden woke up startled, dazed, and confused. I heard a cat. Loudly and fiercely meow in the direction of where my two-year-old slept. I heard it one time, and then I thought, I thought I felt my entire bed shake. I tossed and turned around and fell back asleep. The next day, I was listening to Dutch Sense on YouTube and came to find that there was an earthquake about 15 miles from my house. To make things even stranger, we absolutely have no domestic cats in our neighborhood, as our neighbor owns wolves and dogs who eat cats. I wonder what she heard. And I wonder, is she still living in the same house 
that she was in whenever she was a child? Or is this something that follows the family around particularly? Was this a manifestation of Nance, of Wayne Nance, of the Missoula, of the Missoula Marler? Continuing on, another part of the story or the series of stories, incidences, Dedong says that another incident occurred, and at this time, there were witnesses, and this happened within two weeks of one another. I approached an empty vehicle with all the windows down and open, not just one window, but all four of them. And all of a sudden, my garage door would open up mysteriously, my television would turn on, and I would be completely alone in the house. I would go to sit down, and my garage door would close all the way. The door would shut, too. I'd wait a minute or two, check to make sure it's closed, and then a little later, it would be wide open. It's happened multiple times, and to this day, I can't explain it. She goes on to say that my son is very intuitive and immediately has a sense of people. He can peg good versus bad people in the people that he encounters. My other child was on the phone with me, and as I was looking at a picture on the hotel wall, she literally described the picture to me. It was the Space Needle in Seattle at night. And while I was telling her about what the Space Needle was, she says, oh, I bet it's beautiful at night. Another child of mine has photographic memory. Many situations have confirmed it. They're all readers as well. All of them learn and are far beyond their years in school, emotionally and mentally. They're extremely healthy, and as I have put on, as I have put lupus in remission. They do not use fluoride and are dynamic in how they learn. We went to an Indian reservation about, 20, about, a, about a year ago, and the staff was overwhelmed at their attention to detail, questions, and the ability to have conversations about the spiritual world. I am beginning to recognize their uniqueness, but thought all kids were like them. I have felt fear crawling up my back when we were at the store because I think this was an attempted abduction. It was insane. My body had an out of an outer body energy that made me recognize our surroundings and I realized they were in danger. I have always been in tune with my body. I knew the day I was pregnant at least seven times. She goes on to say that this is all new for me. I have no idea what to make of it other than learning everything I can to help guide them. Thanks for assuring me that this is possible and not in my head. I really appreciate your posts and it has been an adventure. I'm finally out of the baby stage and started working on me. 22 years of being a mom, you can easily lose your sense of who you are. Right now, I'm a sponge for knowledge. I'm really in love with the natural medicines as I am a BSRN and know what Big Pharma is capable of. Think about that. Registered nurse. Bachelor's in science and registered nurse. Having intuitive experiences. Could you imagine that? Being aware. Having your kids be hyper aware of things. You know, and I say that because there's there's so much information in just that one story alone. You're talking about, you know, uh, the idea that your kids are hypersensitive. Your kids are paying attention to spiritual stuff before you're even aware. That's always, I always think that's so fascinating. A lot of, a lot of people end up having a lot more experiences whenever they're younger that they come into contact with the unknown, where the strange happens. It's because their their minds aren't clouded by all the, the all the things that are going on, all the the the, the distractions. 
And that's why it's important that we get these kids off of, you know, YouTube and the LED lights and the technology that's out there because it's brain, it, it, it's, it's ravaging their brain, ravaging their senses. And truly, this is a very, very powerful thing, if you ask me. And I've said this before. The children that are being born today, they're being born for a reason, born with a purpose, born to come and do the work that's required to fix the planet on so many different levels. And that's why they have to be hyper aware. That's why they have to know these things and why it's upon us to build this better foundation for them. Now, this next story I call One Last Treat because it talks about how, well, you know what? I don't want to give it away. I call it One Last Treat. This is by Matt Groff. It says, this story begins in 2012, right around the time when my grandmother had passed away. I was 13 at the time and with my father and my little sister, who was two years old. We were at my grandmother's house, just reminiscing, looking around at all the old things. Me and my father were in the living room while my sister was in the kitchen for slash other room watching the kids' show. And out of nowhere, my sister says, oh, thank you, lady. And obviously being a little spooked out by this, by who she could be talking to, me and my father decided to go check on her. We asked her, who are you talking to? And she just said, the lady in white, she gave me this candy bar. We looked at her, and it was a king-sized Twix, which my grandmother loved to give to us. My father and I were both shocked. My father took the candy bar from my sister. We were both puzzled and pretty scared, but we definitely think it was our grandmother who gave it to her. Now, what could that be? What could that be? Being able to, uh, was the grandmother there? Did she hand her over the actual, the actual candy bar? Was that some kind of manifestation? Was it because of their collective energy that they were able to be there for? You see, who knows what that's about? I always find that so, again, so intriguing. Kids able to see these things. You know, they say it's like a gremlin or something that takes your keys you know, and hides it from you. But what happens whenever it's something that comes from the other side to give you that treat, to give you that one last treat? A two-year-old. But the other question I have is, could the two-year-old recognize that the lady in white was her, her grandmother? Interesting. And the reason I say this is because we have to understand how in-depth reality really can be, how we are able to perceive things, this, this, this other world, and how, again, we're able to interface with these types of things. You know, back in, uh, back in March, earlier this year, we put up an article of a study published in Frontiers in Computational Neuroscience and how it's revealed that the human brain, its structure operates in up to 11 dimensions. Conducted by the Blue Brain Project, scientists discovered fascinating new details about the uh, complexity of the human brain. We found a world that we had never imagined, explained neuroscientist Henry Markham, director of Blue Brain Project and professor at EPFL, Hill Lost Wayne, 
uh, Switzerland. There are tens of millions of these objects in even the smallest speck of the brain, up to seven dimensions. In some networks, we've even found structures within up to 11 dimensions, Markram added. By studying the human brain, researchers discovered that traditional mathematical views were not applicable and ineffective. Quote, mathematics usually applied to the study networks cannot detect the high dimensional structures in the spaces that we can, that we can now clearly see. Algebraic topology is the, base, is the branch of mathematics that, is used, that uses tools from abstract algebra to study topological spaces. Scientists from the Blue Brain Project were assisted by mathematician, uh, mathematicians Catherine Hess from the EPFL and, Ron, and Ran Le Levi uh, from the Aberdeen University in applying this discipline in their new study. Algebraic topology is like a telescope and a microscope at the same time. It can zoom into networks and find hidden structures, the trees and the forest, and see the empty spaces, the clearings, all at the same time. Now think about that. Your brain can operate in only uh, operate up to 11 different dimensions. 11 different dimensions. Ways that you can perceive information, ways that it can travel. And as I said before, a child's brain is still developing two years old, being able to interact with something that could hold that psychic residue, that could have that energy still be so present that the child itself manifested. What was that ghost of manifestation of the energy that's there? You see, you have to think about the nature of reality. What we think of as real, what we think of as time, what we think of as existing. We always ask the question, or at least I do, is consciousness local? Is this really happening? And I know that's something that a crazy person would say. Well, you're not here to listen to me be sane, are you? No. Now, I have another article from Mysterious Universe by Sequoia Kennedy that talks about how neuroscientists claim that dreams can predict the future. And if you guys go back and listen to a, actually quite a few of our episodes we've had, where we've talked about just that premonition, foresight. Being able to not necessarily divine the future, but look into the future and how that is truly a ability. Zach Freeman of UC, Fit, of UC Fitness Apparel, we did a series where he and his cousin actually spoke about having the ability to see this type of thing and how it, it, it may seem like a good thing on the surface, but imagine having your dreams plagued with things that you know are to come. Sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it could be bad. Other times, you are seeing things before they happen. I find that so interesting. Because, again, it, 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 it begs the question of what is consciousness? What is reality? Is there fate? Is there destiny? What is time? Are we all experiencing the same reality? Or are there different timelines? On one of our previous uh, volumes, we've had someone call in and talk about just that, their uh, memories, essentially, of, of, of a whole new life, their memories of a timeline that's not here. It's, uh, again, that is, to, to me, it just it, it, it blows my mind. It truly does. Let me get into this article. We put this up February 26th. It says, neuroscientists claim that dreams can predict the future. Everyone dreams. We spend a large portion of our time in a strange realm complete with its own characters, plot lines, conflicts, and broken physics. Yet we still don't really understand dreams. 
There are theories, of course. One common explanation is that dreams are nothing more than your short-term memories integrating with your long-term memories. That seems to make sense, but it doesn't explain why 5 to 10% of people say they've experienced precognitive dreams, uh, dreaming about the future events before they happen. That statistic comes courtesy of Dr. Julia Mossberg, a neuroscientist whose work at Northwestern University over the last 15 years has led her to conclude that precognition and precognitive dreams are not only real, but will inevitably become accepted as part of the 21st century society. In an article written by Dr. Mossberg for the Daily Mail, she lays out a brief history of her own precognition of studies and her own personal experiences with precognition. According to Mossberg, she, had, she and a team of researchers at Northwestern University analyzed 26 experiments and future predictions that had been published over the last 32 years that all asked whether it was possible for human physiology to predict the future. Now, before I read this uh, letter by Dr. Mossberg, I just want to point out the fact that this is why we have things like the Bible. This is why we have people like Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Uh, I'm not sure if his information was destroyed during the Notre Dame fire that happened recently, but you have this idea of where people are able to project into the future and, 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 and figure that type of information out. We've gone over things such as Project Stargate and their ability to use uh, remote viewing and out-of-body experience and astral projection to look into future events. So this ability that people would have to be able to tap into that otherworldly knowledge, that preternatural information, not too far off. Getting back into this, according to Dr. Mossberg, the answer, the answer uh, our research concluded is yes, when you add all these experiments together, it became clear that the human body goes through change in advance of future inventions. Of, in advance of future important events, alerting our own non-conscious minds seconds earlier to what is likely to happen. Divination and future prediction has always been a part of human society. One experiment analyzed tested, uh, analyzed tested where people, whether people responded to stressful images before they were shown them. Using a random number generator, participants were shown emotionally neutral pictures like flowers and then shown a stressful picture of someone pointing a gun at them. The experiment found that participants' stress signals activated before the random number generator chose to show them the picture of the gun. Mossberg says she believes this happens because time doesn't work the way that we think it does. Now, why would, why would, why would Dr. Mossberg talk about time not working in the way that we would think and how that, how that connects to us, how we connect to time, how we perceive time? Why would that be so important? Because essentially what we're talking about is how – our brains are receivers. How our brains perceive and receive information and how everything else is not necessarily a projection, but it's a reflection of other things. I remember making a spicy meme about how our consciousness is directed or linked directly to light. You see. And there are studies that are going on. About this. The reason I say this is because I always have to back this stuff up with studies. I know I say a lot of crazy stuff, but people don't take the time to go research stuff. And even when I do, I go out there to make sure that it's, it's, it's well put together because I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm trying to tell you how beautiful you are as an individual, what we think of it as humanity and why it's so important that we understand this other aspect of us. At the University of Hamilton in Canada, they talked about this. You guys can go look it up. Go look up biophotons. 
go, go learn about how your consciousness is directly linked to light. And one of the reasons why they want to do all this chemtrail spraying, because it affects you and your ability to learn. We're just advanced plants. Meat suits with, other, with something else inside of us. And that something else inside of us can, can interact with this, uh, this, this, this external force. You see. Truly fascinating. Truly it is. But I'll tell you what else is fascinating as we get a little bit even more crazier down this rabbit hole called the paranormal perspective. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Higgs boson and how at the University of Chicago they're studying how it could be a portal to the dark world, as well as the corpus hermeticum in this disseminated state, as well as four other amazing paranormal stories submitted by you guys. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on the Paranormal Perspective, Volume 7, and we'll be right back right after this. Salutations, my friends. I'm here to talk to you about, that's right, CBD oil. CBD oil can reduce the risk of relapse among alcohol and cocaine addicts, and you know they're trying to flood us with both. According to a 2013 study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, CBD was proven to have these benefits, relieving pain and inflammation, having antipsychotic effects, reducing anxiety, helping to fight cancer, relieving nausea, treating seizures, lowering incidences of diabetes, and also promoting cardiovascular health. Realize that in 2014, Purdue Pharma received FDA approval for an opioid drug that claimed to help curb the opioid addiction. This will actually help you curb your usage of opioids as well as your reliance upon them. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Those lies and share truth. Freedom Faction, out.
All right. You know what the beautiful part is about all the stuff we do here is it's not just uh, not just uh, stuff you find on the internet. Not just stuff you're going to hear somebody else say. You're going to find this stuff well researched because I, I, I like to I like to do this. I like to know this. I like to know what I'm up against. You see. I like to know what's going on and how we can perceive it because as they say, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. And if knowledge is power, I seek knowledge, not drama. I seek the truth and I want to know. And this is why I may not have the advanced equipment that's required to carry out all these kinds of operations, but I'll tell you what, my brain can put all of it together and still get what they're trying to tell us. And with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to this edition of the Paranormal Perspective, Volume 7. Glad to see you guys are still rocking with me. Now, as always, there's articles and there's other things to talk about. Now, whenever I went and recorded that four-part, eight-hour series with Adam Nix and J.C. Allen of the Wayfinder podcast, Adam Nix sent me back with The Way of Hermes, The Corpus Hermeticum which is a translation of uh, basically <laughs> information that goes back as far as uh, 200 AD. And that's what I love. Give me that type of information because that tells me that people were studying this even back then. You know, I had this revelation uh, with this new uh, pouch that's come out that they found in the Andes and just so many other things as well, you know, looking at the Bible uh, and, and, just so many different texts of why we just keep seeing uh, pharmacia, pharmaceuticals, drugs, hallucinogens, uh, psychoactive compounds, and things of this nature just surfacing up in humanity because it just shows that this is something we do. We're always trying to come back into, come into contact with the divine or what else is out there, what else we interface in. You know, Nikola Tesla also talked about this and how we can use the ether, the luminiferous fire, and build. I find that so fascinating, truly, because what we're what we're hearing, truly, when you break it down, is the fact that we can create some part of this reality, and how magical humans really are. The work that we can do. Now, this next article, it kind of talks about some pretty pretty crazy heavy things, as as we typically like to do. Uh, we put this up April 25th. It's by Skywatch TV, and it says, University of Chicago, CERN Stargates, Higgs boson discovery could be tied to the portal to the dark world. And they talk about how, uh, and I'll bring up this, uh, this book as well, where they talk about uh, the undifferentiated state of, of the ether and all these things to give you guys, again, a comprehensive understanding of what we think of as nature and how we can work with it. But this article talks about the science and somewhat understanding of just that. So I want to give you guys a modern day view as well as a somewhat uh, historical view of just this, this energy or what else that we can come into contact with. But continuing on here in this article, it says now that they've identified the Higgs boson, and for people who don't know what that is, it's called the God particle, uh, the alleged material that holds all of the world together. They say scientists at the Large Hadron Collider have set their sights on an even more elusive target all around us is dark matter and dark energy, the invisible stuff that binds the galaxy together, 
but which no one has been able to directly detect. Quote, we know for sure that there's a dark world and there's more energy in it than there is in ours, said Leon Tao Wang, a uh, University of Chicago professor of physics who studies how to find signals in large particle accelerators like the LHC. Wang, along with scientists from the University and UChicago affiliated Fermilab, uh, think they may be able to lead us to its tracks. In a paper published April 3rd in Physical Review Letters, they laid out an innovative method for stalking dark matter in the LHC by exploiting a potential particle's slightly slower speed. Pay attention to this because it's important. What they're talking about in this article is, the, is, is how slow that, that, that particle uh, dissolves, so to speak. While the dark world makes up more than 95% of our universe, scientists only know it from its effects. Like a poltergeist, you can only see it when it pushes on something, when it pushes something off of a shelf. For example, we know there's dark matter because we can see the gravity acting on it. It helps our galaxies from it, it helps our galaxies keep from flying apart. Theorists think that one particular kind of dark particle that that occasionally interacts with normal matter, it would be heavier and longer lived than the other known particles, with a lifetime of up to one tenth of a second. A few times in a decade, researchers believe this particle can get caught up in the collisions of, of, of protons that the LHC is constantly creating and measuring. Quote, one particularly interesting possibility is that these long-lived dark particles are coupled to the Higgs boson in some fashion, that the Higgs is actually a portal to the dark world, said Wang, referring to the last holdout particle in the physicist's grand theory of how the universe works discovered in the LHC in 2012. Quote, it's possible that the Higgs could actually decay into these long-lived particles. The only problem is sorting out these events from the rest. There are more than a billion collisions per second in the 24-kilometer LHC, and each one of these sends subatomic shafts spraying in all directions. So what they're essentially trying to say is that this particle slowly, disintegrate, slowly disintegrates into the ether. You guys can go read that actual study uh, on there, I, I put the actual link for the study there. You can find it because it uh, it has it there. It's at the University of Chicago. They're studying. They're trying to invent a way to trap mysterious dark world particles. Uh, they're trying to trap dark matter. They're, they're literally trying to trap trap it in that state. And now, what I'm going to read to you guys next is from the Corpus Hermeticum on Book Eight. And and before I do so. Again, I just want you guys to understand what I'm trying to talk about. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, as, every, as everything I do sounds. I'm trying to talk to you about how they're studying the actual breakdown of a particle and how it eventually becomes like a photon, becomes light, becomes like uh, that, that dark matter. Imagine seeing like a ball, right? That's your, that, that's your particle. They're able to measure it as that ball disintegrates into uh, matter that it can't measure. You see, they're seeing it transform. And so my mind thinks immediately, well, if they can see it uh, disintegrate into this other state, clearly it can be reversed. It can be made manifest. And that's what I want to kind of get at when reading uh, from this, this, this book. I'm going to fast forward a little bit into it to help you guys, you know, take a little interest. I hope you guys go find it. As I said before, we're going to be reading from The, the Way of Hermes. It's been translated by Clement Solomon, Doreen Van Oyen. William D. Wharton, and Jean-Pierre Mahi. And this is really a fascinating book. I can only, guys, I, I, I can only give you guys a, sl a, sl a sliver of it because it's, it's so much. Uh, but right here from Section 3, it says, 
and however much material there was, it being subject to his disposal. The Father turned it all into a body. He raised it up and made it spherical, conferring this quality on what he had wrought, namely an immortal with eternal materiality. When he had sewn certain kinds of casual forms into sphere, he enclosed them with a cavern, as he had wished to adorn the material within himself with all qualities. He invested the whole body with the immortality so that this material would not wish itself separate from its composition with the body and thus dissolve into its own undifferentiated state. And when this material was not a body, it was undifferentiated, my son. In this world, other small things, such as growth and diminution, which men call death, are enveloped in this material. This undifferentiated state exists in respect of earthly things. The bodies of the celestials have one order, which was assigned to them by the Father in the beginning. And this indestructible order is kept unbroken by periodic return of each body in the cosmic cycle. Within that cycle, earthly bodies are formed, returned, and dissolved into bodies that are indestructible. That is immortal. Thus, there is deprivation of the senses, but no destruction of the bodies. The third living being, man, has been begotten in the image of the cosmos, but as the Father willed, not living like other creatures, like other earthly creatures. Not only does this have an affinity with the second God, but also a conception of the first. He perceives the second God as a body, and first, and the first he conceives as without a body, and as nous, that is the supreme good. Then does this being, man, not die? Be still, my son, and consider what is God. What is the cosmos? What being immortal? What is dissolved? And consider that the, that the cosmos is made by God and in God. Man is made by the cosmos and in the cosmos, and that God is the source, the boundary, and the constitution of everything. So there you have it. The Way of Hermes, I hope you guys go check that out. The Corpus Hermeticum. And the reason I want to talk to you guys about that, to just slide that in there, is because what we're talking about is understanding the high strangeness of reality. Understanding that undifferentiated stage in, in, in which we find ourselves living in. And why that's so important that we ask the question of, who hum, of, of what humanity is, what we're made of. There is something more to this existence, and we have to beg the question of what. Now, we're not here for those types of, those, those types of comments. We're actually here for the shows and for the, for, the, for the guests, for our listeners who have submitted their great stories to the paranormal perspective. This next one, it comes from Cement Swimming Shoes. We've called it Uninvited Guests. Go on to say that one of the most clear experiences I've had was whenever I was over at a friend's house. I planned to stay the night, but I remember waking up in a panic. It felt as if someone was standing over me. I woke up quickly after that. My senses were telling me something was up, but before I could rub my eyes, I looked over and saw an orb about two feet away from me. And as I woke up more, I could see what was made of shadows. It started moving right to left and just disappeared at the end of the room, maybe about 10 feet from me. There was no door or window or anything for that orb to exit through. It just simply disappeared out of sight. Now, what can that be? Shadows. We had, we, the, the story that we had earlier. 
of, of the blob projecting. Again, what is that? Where it, it, This essence is still there, but it becomes noticeable only whenever it's darker. Your senses have to be activated to, to be made aware of something strange that's going on. But what happens whenever your senses are under siege and you need somebody else's help? This next story comes from Cam Bryan. We called it man's best friend. It says, when I was younger, I shared a room with my brother. And one night, I just remember waking up in the guest bedroom, completely unable to move. I could only move my eyes. And I looked around and saw that my dog was in the room with me, staring right at me. So I thought. I heard a deep demonic sounding voice coming from behind me like it was some kind of guttural growl. I couldn't turn around and look at it or even talk. All I could do is stare at my dog for help. And then my dog stood up from his bed and as soon as he did, I was able to move again. As soon as I was free, I turned around, but there was nothing there. Whatever was behind me seemed to be feeding off of my fear, but luckily my dog was there to help me helped me through that living nightmare and to this day I still don't know what I saw I don't know if I slept in I don't know if I slept walked into the guest bedroom or if something more disturbing happened I think I was carried in there by that entity imagine that imagine being woken up where um, that's I don't know to me that's kind of a little scary that thought of being moved to another location something pulling you telling you you're but do you think that happens a lot with people that sleepwalk as if they are possessed hmm just ponder that could something have taken him over could something have lured Brian or Cam into his in, into a room that was unoccupied. People always say that, how there's always some area of the house that just doesn't quite feel right. But what happens whenever you're outside and something doesn't feel right? This next story comes from Slickster 1337. We call it Prehistoric Predators. He says, I've seen an actual creature fly over me. My buddy and me were outside hanging out. He walks to the side of the house to throw something away. And while I waited for him to return, I was in the front of my house. We were just hanging out. I just happened to look up and saw this creature flying over my head. This thing was all black, had a wingspan of about 20 feet, had a long tail flowing in the wind, almost like a dinosaur, or had bat-like wings. It never flapped. just glided for about 10 seconds until it flew out of sight into the darkness of the trees. This creature was flying up about 100 to 130 feet up in the air, and it also had a huge head with horns that curled back like a ram. My best description of the creature is a prehistoric, gar- prehistoric gargoyle demon-like creature. As my buddy walked away or walked to throw away his trash, I told him to look up, and in, and in disbelief, he too saw exactly what I saw. And to this day, we reminisce about what what that may have been. 
I live in a very crowded city in Southern California, and I really can't believe something like this flew right over the city. I know it sounds hard to believe, but I know what I saw was 100% real, and it was very frightening. I felt exposed as it flew over, but couldn't help but couldn't help myself to watch it fly over. I looked up at some of the stuff that people had told me that they had seen. You know, if they had seen other creatures like that in SoCal, in SoCal, some people have told me about the roping that have apparently they've apparently been spotted near big washes right there, right where I live. But what I saw was definitely different than a roping. So I looked up what a roping is because I was unfamiliar as to what a roping is. That's spelled R-O-P-E-N. And what you'll get is, is what looks to be like a, ter- a pterodactyl. It's the simplest thing to say, it, but it's not. Uh, that's why we went with the prehistoric predator. They said the roping means the demon flyer. It's a cryptid, a cryptid, a cryptid, you know, a cryptid animal. You know, for people that are curious as to what cryptids are, go look into cryptozoology. These are creatures that are not part of traditional zoology, that are not tar- part of what we think of as a normal animal kingdom. But the roping, meaning the demon flyer, is a cryptid, thought to be either a big bat or more commonly known as a, a petrosaur uh, on, on New Guinea Island. It is said to produce a light, possibly to attract fish. The roping is a cryptid allegedly to live, alleged to live in the vicinity of Indonesian Papua, Papu province and the nation of the Papua New Guinea. According to the, bit, the book, Searching for Ropens, it is, quote, any featherless creature that flies in the southwest Pacific and has a tall a tail length of more than 25% of the wingspan. On the island, the word ropen refers to a large nocturnal creature that glows briefly as it flies. The ropen is the subject of folklore, like a man, but also like a spirit, but it's believed by some natives to be a real animal. Descriptions vary, but it is also said to be bat-like and sometimes petrosaur-like. Although petrosaurs are generally accepted to be extinct, the rope is believed to be nocturnal and exhibit uh, bioluminescence. But he's saying, our, our, our uh, guest says that you know it wasn't a rope, but it still seemed like it. Something with bat-like wings with an extremely long tail span and horns. Horns on some kind of flying creature. That to me is strange. What could that be? I, I, I'm i not sure. But we're always finding, you know, new animals or, or strange creatures that just kind of pop up. That's why they made the cryptozoology field is because we still don't understand all the stuff that's out there. You know, earlier this week we read an article about how the UN put out a study or a report saying that millions of uh, animal species are in danger of going extinct due to uh, anthropogenic climate climate change, human-induced climate change. And I said, as a response to this, as some things might be extinct, we will still discover new types of life because life will find a way. And life is still finding a way. There are people that say they find uh, dinosaurs in South America. We're still finding giant bones in Afghanistan. Look at the red-headed giants of North America. There's lots and lots of part of our parts of our history that we're still discovering because it's an ongoing thing and history is written by the winners, but to find a prehistoric animal out there in SoCal, that's kind of strange. Almost as strange as this next story. So I see Mary C. 
We call it Let the Lord Take the Wheel. Says it was the 4th of July weekend in 2016. My daughters and I were, tra- were driving from Texas to Florida for the AMTC convention, and that's the Air Medical Transport Conference. And towards the evening, we were getting close to Florida. And while I was driving, as I had been all day, all of a sudden, the car, which was a 2015 Honda CRX, started pulling me with an unimaginable force from the right lane to the left, even though I was holding onto the steering wheel as hard as I could. I'm trying to make sure the car didn't go into the left. Luckily, there were no cars close to us on the, on the freeway right then, and my older daughter was screaming at me while this was happening. This next part is what I can only describe as a miracle. I see angels lifting the car back up from touching the center divider, and while my daughter was screaming, apparently she had an out-of-body experience and doesn't really remember screaming, but while she was, the car was mysteriously, the car mysteriously went back into the right lane without me getting it back. I was just holding onto the steering wheel, praying, and with everything happening in my mind, I know that God was the one who controlled that car. It may have only been 30 seconds, but it felt like it was forever, and it was him that kept us from hitting that center divider and rolling over. I believe God was fighting the evil forces to keep us alive because he has a greater purpose for our lives. And after it happened, we were all shaking, and we took the first exit to a restaurant to catch our breaths. Everyone there looked at us like we were aliens or something not of this earth. I can't explain it. We never told anyone because the experience cannot be explained. Only experienced. Understand that high strangeness. And I like that they put that at the very end. Some of these experiences can't be explained. Only experienced. And that's something I think people should think about as they go through their lives. What have you experienced that you can't tell other people? Do you have a strange experience? Did it define you, as many of these types of things typically do? We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to close out this volume of Paranormal Perspective talking about magic mushrooms, ancient drugs, as well as boys being boys. (laughs) And what, what could that mean? Find out. On the other side, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on the Paranormal Perspective, Volume 7, and we'll be right back right after this. Salutations, my friends. Have you heard of Shilajit? Well, to be quite honest, neither had I. But then I started doing some research, and I found out that it was part of the Hindu Ayurvedic system of medicine. And for hundreds of years since its discovery, it's had the potential to help people live a healthy and balanced life. Here, let me read off some of the benefits for you guys. It increases your energy, boosts your libido, balances your mood, supports healthy aging, decalcifies your pineal gland, and we all understand how important that is, supports healthy brain health. Uh, It also helps regulate your hormones. There are so many benefits to taking this that I cannot put them in this single video. You can mix it in with tea. Uh, I like to mix it in with my pre-workout in the morning. And be careful, it's going to give you that boost. It's going to give you that energetic boost you need to get through your day. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera.
Easy there. Easy there, killer. Easy there. <laughs> and I want to say salutations to my friends for tuning in to this final segment from the Paranormal Perspective, Volume 7. Yeah, we talk about a lot of crazy things. As always, I hope I gave you guys a comprehensive or a brief yet detailed look at, uh, you know, what we consider that undifferentiated state, that disseminated or disseminated state. What else is out there? The energy that we can tap into. We always see those great pictures by Alex Gray, you know, where they're all kinds of, uh, where they're all kinds of dynamic, but you see the lines and all the other structures that are out there. It really gives you guys like a look at, uh, you know, just perspective, really. It's like those those pictures out there where they have all kinds of uh, animals and, and dots, and they're really, really detailed. They just, like, induce, like, a psychedelic, a psychedelic experience just by looking at them. Uh, but this is all to try to d- define, not the divine or the esoteric, but that otherworldly aspect to us, you see. We have to ask these questions so we understand how we can get into the state of mind, how we can get a deeper understanding of our experience. And with that being said, let's start this segment. Now, Denver apparently decriminalized psychedelic mushrooms. Good job, Denver. Not only do you guys have massive amounts of marijuana, but you're also going to have people tripping balls, getting down. Same way you had people from all over the world come over uh, for, for, for 420. In Colorado, you're going to have all kinds of people coming over from America uh, to Denver to go do mushrooms. Now, I got no problem with mushrooms. I think I just have a problem with, you know, how it's just going to be put out there and trendy because it's going to lose the value. These are sacred herbs and sacred things that are designed uh, to get you in touch with other aspects of the realm. But whenever they become abused, just like everything else, you know, it, it begins to lose its value. And then, you know, then you develop like a tolerance. Uh, we've talked about this with other people as well who have just gone somewhat down that rabbit hole. You eventually become like so sensitive that you become hyper paranoid about everything that's going on. So it's a good thing that people are decriminalizing the mushrooms. We just have to be very cautious uh, of what that's going to do to society because we already have, you know, somewhat of a brain dead population. You throw this stuff out there. You think people with delicate sensibilities are going to be, you, you think people with delicate sensibilities need safe spaces now Imagine all kinds of people hopped up on this that don't want to hear yelling or hear any bad vibes or hear anything that that, that messes with them. So uh, that's going to happen. Now, another another question I have, or at least another thing I want to point out to you, is that this stuff has been with us since time immemorial. I've played for you guys a clip and talked about it as well, how uh, somewhat of the Santa Claus mythology comes from the, um, uh, I think it's the Amanita Iscaria mushroom. Uh, and how this was, you know, a mushroom that was given through shamans and using reindeers like they, it's crazy. Uh, but there's a history behind it, people using the Amanita Ascaria mushroom to come into contact with old St. Nick uh, and how there are actual entities that are out there. And I've spoken about this time and time again. I just think it's important that people look at this because this is, this is, this is something where I have to beg the question of what did the ancients see? So while you have Denver decriminalizing 
uh, magic mushrooms. We also have the the we also have, ironically enough, uh, researchers from California finding a a pouch. University of California Berkeley uh, researchers finding a pouch that contains psychoactive drugs, psychoactive substances, substances, cocaine, harmine, dimethyltryptamine, butene, uh, bufotene, psilocybin, all kinds of stuff, ayahuasca, and so much more. But again, this shows you that drugs, whether or not they've been legalized or criminalized or anything of this nature, has been with us for quite some time, and people have been taking it because they understand that when people ingest these things, they get into these heightened states of being. Their senses are either turned on or turned off. There's, there's, there's a certain awareness that comes with the ingestion of these things. And I remember one of the first times, one of the first few uh, Fellowship and Freedom episodes I had, you know, we had talked about that, how people could smoke and come into contact with the aliens. You know, maybe back in the day, you know, Egyptians, maybe they used to do that because there's been evidence that has surfaced about, you know, Egyptians using sacred bowls of marijuana to do these types of things. But I guess what I'm really trying to say is we have this this ongoing correlation or this ongoing trend of using some kind of psychoactive some kind of psychoactive substance to increase like our awareness or to increase our understanding and knowledge of reality. And I find that so again fascinating. It has to tie into this this paranormal perspective because we're seeing the different ways that people are able to, to interact with uh, the other world. Sure, people, uh, and that's the crazier part about it. Some people aren't on substances. Some people are normal. Some people are going about their daily life. And then it's like sometimes some, some people actually go through things and something's activated in them. It's like they, 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 they walk through some kind of field and like that, that, that sixth sense is turned on. But we've talked about this too. Uh, this is well. How many different senses that people have? I don't have those notes in front of me, but it's 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 something that is truly important. And when people take these drugs, you have to ask again the question: What did they see? And now, last little article after this, last little factoid after this, and I'll let you guys we'll, we'll finish this out with the, the, this last story and start closing stuff out for you. But while we're still in the vein of talking about drugs and their impact on people, I actually made a spicy meme, a spicy meme that talks about how Tylenol is indeed killing human empathy. There's studies that prove this. It's literally dumbing you down, confirming the dangers of the popular pharmaceutical that it can literally change your brain chemistry and, and, and shut down certain emotions. And I think that's imperative that we talk about that because you have certain drugs and increase your understanding and awareness of things. And now you have these man-made drugs that are not natural, right, that kill your human abilities. And I've spoken on this time and time again. I've just so happened to have articles and information to back it up this time. And it's important, too. Do we have time to get into it? 2015 groundbreaking study that found Tylenol, known by chemical names, acetaminophen, and paracetamol not only blunts pain, but has a potential psychotropic side effect, highly relevant to human social connection and behavior, such as blunting both physical and negative emotional stimuli, also known as affect, affect flattening uh, in psychiatric terminology. Now, a study published at the published last month in the journal Frontiers of Psychology titled A Social Anesthesiac, 
A social analgesic, acetaminophen, reduces positive empathy. It further confirms that this popular drug that billions are taking annually directly interferes with the experience of the human empathic connection, specifically reducing empathy from, for other people's suffering. They are literally dumbing you down with these man-made drugs. This is why we are so avidly against Big Pharma, and that's why it's, I'm actually glad that we had somebody who was a, 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 a registered nurse talking to us about the dangers of, of, of Big Pharma and why they understand the harmful effects of things like fluoride upon the body. You see, there are certain drugs out there that will literally dumb you down and kill your emotions, and there are other things out there, and I don't even think these things should be classified as drugs. That's another discussion for another day, the war on drugs and things of this nature. But now you have drugs that are out there that are supposed to be used for heightening people's psyche, heightening people's awareness of things. And we have to look at these things. Because, again, it shows the diversity of you. Could you imagine being able to have the same types of understanding, awareness? And I don't want to say powers because uh, that's a whole different context. But could you imagine having the awareness of somebody who is on shrooms naturally, being able to activate it? I'm sure people in our past, our ancestors, I'm sure they did. Now, the last story with the paranormal perspective to give you guys <laughs> something to laugh at. <laughs> and this is uh, this is from F this Instagram thing, and we titled this episode or we titled this story "Boys Will Be Boys." At my friend's house one time, we were sitting outside smoking. Normally, there's another friend with us, but tonight it was just me and him. After I took a hit. I put the bong down on the chair that our other friend usually sits on, which is flat, and then I returned to the grinder to pack another one. My friend and I both looked up at the same time and pointed at a blue orb that floats down through the upper, do- through the upper deck behind the chair and then pushes the bong over on the ground and shatters it. We both looked at each other in disbelief and wondered if the other just saw the same thing, which we did. This friend is also sensitive to paranormal activity and frequently saw a mischievous young boy in their house who would open and close doors, knocking things off the table, spill drinks, and other non-harmful activities. Boys will be boys. I just think that's funny because you're having two people smoke, and then obviously I just think it's funny that you have a, a, a mischievous boy spirit going around breaking things and just so happens to be out there while they're smoking just to break the bong. Did we induce that? Was that a collective trip? So how did the bong break? Could they have tipped it over? Was it wobbling? Who knows? But the idea that you have someone who is sensitive on just, just high, but both of them being able to interact and notice whenever something else enters into their scene, enters into the area. Imagine that. Both looking up at an orb, watching it fall down through the chair, and then physically interact with something. Could it be that Higgs boson that we were talking about before? You see, there have been studies that prove that there is a certain amount of weight in somebody's uh, 
somebody has a certain amount of weight right before they die. It's like after it's either before or after the body like lets the excrement go out of the, out of out of its uh its body out of its bowels. But there's a certain uh, scientifically calculated amount of weight that leaves the body. Uh, and, and, and nurses and doctors talk about this all the time whenever they're actually present during passings, how there's some kind of essence that does leave the body. And this is calculated, quantified, probably not talked about because it is along that, that, that lines of fringe science. But again, we begin to understand that there is another component to humanity, that there is a whole new, not really new, rather old, yet yet still consistent thought of what humanity is. I find that so fascinating. Really. The fact that we could quantify the soul, the essence, and it's not in the blood. That's the crazier part. I should have marked it down in the corpus or medicum, but it talks about that, the actual essence and how it's not the blood, but it's what pushes the blood it's what makes everything flow inside of you, inside of all of us. It's that prana, that life force energy, that which manifests in everyone and everything. Could it be the DMT that's talked about all the time? Is this why they are studying this, this type of essence? You see, the reason why I wanted to intersperse a lot of articles uh, with people's experiences in this particular edition so that we could get a, a, a deeper understanding when looking at just some of these experiences to, so, people don't under, so people understand it's not just ghosts, it's not just UFOs, it's not just rampant Satanists, it's not just those things. Sometimes it truly is our perception and our ability to integrate and interact with things that are greater. But it's because we have to ask those deeper questions and gain that deeper understanding of our ability. I say that with an S, abilities, with our abilities, and so much more. You know, I had a uh, (laughs) – I'll say this, and I'll start to close it out for people. I had some people over one day, you know, and and I I guess I had never shown them the documents of things like Project Stargate, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Sunstreak, and so much more uh, that I just went on like a hardcore jag – about you know just the divinity and you know the God within you and why it's so important that you connect to God. You have to connect to God and connect to the earth and so much more. I'm just going on my. I, I think I literally got triggered into just like going down the rabbit hole forcefully. Uh, you know these are people that don't understand about 5G, that don't understand about ELF towers, wind towers, cell phone towers, uh, frequencies, manip- frequency manipulation, and all these other things. Why am I talking about consciousness not being local? Uh, the interference and our ability to interact with the things that are unseen is because the people, the controlling elite, the oligarch at the top, they understand this. They understand people and humanity's ability to interface with the larger divine. And so their whole point is to, is to manipulate it, to distort it for their own purpose. We've talked about this with guests more or less, uh, specifically Nate Max. We've talked about the rainbow tribes as well as a, uh, Ezekiel Reyes of Black Sun Organite, and how there's a, a, a Native American prophecy of tribes from all over the world coming together to form the Rainbow Tribe to where we heal the earth. And I believe that. 
I really do. Because there's no one race that can fix this because we all have to fix it. That's the Rainbow Tribe. And that's why I find it so beautiful looking at every other race because you have such different ways of expressing God, so many different ways of expressing reality, so many different ways of expressing life and love. The Greeks have like six different words for love. This is why language is so important and why getting down to the depths of it is, is, is truly intriguing. But what I'm, I suppose what I'm really trying to say is things like 5G, they understand that they can manipulate us and in turn manipulate the reality that we're in through this type of a techno-sorcery. You emit a frequency. And if you're taking things like Tylenol, uh, Advil, and all these other uh, uh, pharmaceuticals that are designed to cut off your ability to connect with the divine, with what is greater, how can you ever understand yourself and us in, 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 any, in any capacity? You see, this is all important. And this is why we have to take the time to look at it. And understand that we as individuals and how we perceive time and how we perceive space, our chronological orientation, it truly is fascinating. It truly is. However, I want to say thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to this edition of the Paranormal Perspective. Normally, we have these, – these episodes are always a wild ride, period. They are always a wild ride. From start to finish, I, I, I kid you not. And this is why I want you guys to go back and listen to, uh, listen to the very first one. Listen to them all the way through. Let me know what you think. Eventually, we'll get a book together <laughs> because we have over uh, probably 50 different pages of people's amazing experiences, and it's only going to grow because of your guys' continued support of our operation. And that's why I, I, I could only be – I can't say thank you enough for allowing me to do this and for allowing me to be in your life in this capacity, talking about this type of stuff. As I said before, normally we're on fellowship and freedom during this time frame, but we're taking a break so that we can transform into a 24-hour radio station. All kinds of growth has been made possible due to your guys' continued support and listenership. And this is why I'm so blessed to be here in this capacity to do this type of work. And episodes like this are where I'm able to give back. And I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I do, because this has always been, <laughs> always been what it's about for me, truly. However, we have to start wrapping things up for you guys and gals. If you have any questions or you'd like to submit your story for the next Paranormal Perspective, you can do so by hitting the email in the description bar below. Or go check out our website and send your experience there. We have a little tab literally designed for people who want to submit their stories because it's important. It's a huge part of it. We're going to do so much more, and as I said before, it's thanks, it's, it, it, it really is uh, thanks to all of you guys. And with that being said, thank you for tuning into this edition of the Paranormal Perspective. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant, expose lies, and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction, out. <laughs>